Greetings of love tonight in the worthy, the precious, and the powerful name of Jesus. It's a blessing to have another opportunity to worship, to sing, to pray, to open up our hearts and minds to the Word of God. I've been given a commission tonight. I've been given a calling. I've been given a responsibility. I didn't ask for it. I didn't seek it out. In fact, we, I deliberately sought other uh, options. But tonight, ultimately, I have a responsibility. And it's to speak to you about being responsible disciples. Weeks and perhaps months ago now as we met and prayed and wrestled and spent time thinking about what would be good themes, what would be good topics, what would be uh, profitable discussions for this year if our Lord tarries and if there are young people that would desire to come together and, and spend a week in dedicated a discipleship and, and seeking the face of God. What would be some things to talk about during those times? And, and uh, as we brothers do that, I'll just give you a little insight, a little window. We meet together and we spend time in prayer and, and we share together ideas and thoughts and suggestions and, and uh, we'll write down all kinds of thoughts and lists and possibilities and, and suggestions that we've heard from others and so forth. And we haven't always in the evening messages assigned topics. But this year we had decided to do that and, and we sought a variety of different brothers to fulfill those responsibilities. And it got down to a few weeks ago and, and a brother, the last brother, uh, finally realized it was not going to work for him and, and we felt like now the calling of responsibility is upon us. And so... We're sharing that among those of us here tonight. That's a calling of responsibility. And so I want to attempt to shoulder that by the grace of God and with your prayers. I want you to think for just a moment as we begin about life. I want you to think about your life. James, in the fourth chapter of James, James is one of those general epistles, it's called, the general epistle of James, and in the fourth chapter, James asks this question. What is your life? What is your life? I think that's a good question for us to stop and think about tonight. If we're talking about life stewardship, then we need to stop and think about what our life is, at least in relation to what James was asking. What is your life? I think that's a good thing to, to stop and think about for a week. And, and I was mentioning to one of the brothers a while ago that, that that's one of the things I look forward to this week is, is just stepping back from normal life for a little bit and taking a look at the life of, of Joseph Rudd and and, and looking that over, and what are his goals, and how is he actually spending his time, and, and how is he getting along in, in the warfare of, of life, and, 
and things like that, just backing up and taking a look at, at life. And so I think that's one of the things that you are doing as well. I trust you are, and I want those words to echo throughout this message tonight and throughout this week in your mind. What is your life? James doesn't leave us guessing in that. I brought this along to be a reminder tonight. Put it right there in front of Mason. That's approximately an hour. And that's really kind of a, a little reminder about life either also. But James answered, and I brought this along just as a reminder. James says, it is even a, a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's just a vapor. That didn't last very long. Just a little spray here. A little room spray, just a vapor. It just appears briefly, and then it vanishes away. Now, if there was enough of this spray, and it's that way with lives. It's just a vapor. It appears for a little time, and then vanishes away. But it does leave a fragrance behind. It leaves a little memory behind. And, and what kind of fragrance are you leaving behind? That's what we want to think about a little bit. We're wanting to think about life stewardship, and that vapor is going to dissipate before too long. Hopefully you'll survive that. I can see some interesting looks on your faces as you absorb that Yankee sage and citrus. Mm. It's quite potent. But it's a vapor. Your life is a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. So, responsible disciples, life stewardship. And we find that the Apostle Paul says this one time. He's talking about himself and, and other brethren. And I think it absolutely applies to you sisters and to you brothers as well. When he says, I think it's in the book of 2 Corinthians, he says, Let a man so account of us, as the stewards, as the ministers of God and stewards of the mysteries of God, something like that. As the ministers of Christ, that's what it is in my memory, if that's right. Something like this. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. But he goes on to say, moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. And so we're thinking about that word stewardship, it's something that's entrusted to you that doesn't belong to you. That's what a steward is. It's someone who cares for something and is entrusted with something that does not belong to them. Have you ever thought of your life that way? That little vapor? Not your vapor. What is your life? You have a stewardship of a life that God has given you to make some choices and decisions about. And so the word responsible, as we think about being responsible disciples, the word responsible in the old Webster's Dictionary has this definition. It means liable to account, answerable, as for a trust reposed, or for a debt. We are all responsible for the talents entrusted to us by our Creator. A guardian is responsible for the faithful discharge of his duty to his ward. 
The surety is responsible, <coughs> excuse me, for the debt of his principal. Responsible. It's, it's similar, it's related to the thought of stewardship. And it means that we are answerable. I like that word that, that Mr. Webster had there many years ago. And again, this was the old dictionary. You wouldn't find that in the new Webster's where it says we're all responsible to the talents that are entrusted to us by our creator. But whether it's there in the new one or not, it's absolutely true because it's in the word of God. Responsibility. I want to think about that. And I remember my father saying this about that word when I was a young man. It just sticks in my mind. He says, you can think of it this way. It's my response to God's ability. My response to God's ability flowing through me is really my calling of responsibility. Responsibility. Well, I want to read with you in the Word of God. Turn with me to the 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. I'd like to read uh, some verses that speak to us about responsibility. <clears throat> Matthew 25, turn with me. In fact, I think we're going to read around and I'm going to remind you that when you read, it is your responsibility to give it all your heart, to lift up your voice so you can be heard, to pronounce as clearly as you can. And if for some reason you don't choose to read, you can pass it on. We have different voices and different personalities, but the Bible says that Ezra, when he read the words of the law, he caused them to understand the, the reading, and he gave the sense, which means he gave the emphasis. Uh, today, when, when Hannah read for Anthony, I wanted to compliment you, Hannah. You did a good job. You, you gave the sense. And we're all cut out differently, but I'd like to start down here with Matthew 25, verse 1. Just each read a verse around. I do want to read all the way through verse 29. It's a long chapter. We're going to read 29 verses. That's a little over a verse apiece. So you can begin, Josiah, and just continue on. Read loud and clear, please. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom was tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went, with, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, 
who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them five, made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he who had received the two talents also came and said, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Behold, I have gained another two talents. His master said to him, <clears throat> Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much, and to in enter into the joy of your master. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strolled. And I was afraid, and went, and hid the talent in the earth. Lo, there ha <coughs> thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strolled. Thou oughtest therefore to have, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it, uh, give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Okay, thank you very much for your good, clear reading. Every one of you did a good job. And uh, I just want to encourage you. This is uh, what we call sometimes Bible school. So I want to encourage you. There's a time for public reading of the word. And when you do it, give it all you've got. Read loud and clear and with emphasis like you have tonight. And uh, God blesses that. Responsible disciples, life stewardship, and we see some glimpses of responsibility here. I don't intend to take just lots of time here in the scripture, but I want you to notice this. We have, first of all, a situation of, of people waiting to go into a wedding. Virgins, five wise and five foolish. And I won't attempt to articulate, nor could I, all about that parable, but the bottom line is we've got five of them, half of them are being responsible. They have sought the Lord. They have sought to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now remember, they're all virgins. They're all waiting to go in the wedding. I don't know what you want to make out of that, but I see some level of profession and commitment in all of them. But five of them were foolish. They had not made provision. They had squandered their time, ran out of oil, and hadn't done anything about it. That's the first glimpse we have here of responsibility and irresponsibility. And in both of these, the context is very sobering and God's response to that. Next, we have a situation of talents. 
Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country. He called his servants and delivered unto them his goods. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. So Jesus does that, and he's giving us a general lesson. And I assure you tonight, you have been given, a, you have been entrusted talents. In another parable, Jesus speaks about being given pounds. And I won't say much about the differentiation there, except for in the t- parable of the pounds, everyone was given one pound, the same amount. Here, there's a difference in the talents. One's given five, one's given three, one's given one, according to their several abilities. And we've talked, and I'm sure we'll hear more yet, about the variation of gifts and opportunities that we have in the body of Christ. Nevertheless, we are responsible for what we have been given. And I see here that the Lord was very sobered when one came said, I hid my, my talent in the earth. And, and I knew you, Lord. I, I know you're, you're a tough God. You're, you're a tough Lord. You're a hard man. I, and I didn't, wanna, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I just didn't want to make any mistakes here. So, so I just hid my talent in the earth. And, and here it is. I've saved it for you, Lord. I, I didn't want to blow it. I didn't want to make any mistakes. I didn't want to get beat up in this thing. So I just, but here it is. I've got it for you. And, and Jesus says that the Lord of that servant will say, instead of saying, good for you, you didn't blow it. He said, you wicked and lazy, slothful servant. You knew that I was that kind of a man? And you just hid? Why didn't you do something? At least put it in the bank where it could gain some interest. I I don't have time to apply all of this tonight other than to say the Lord had invested responsibility and opportunity, gifts, abilities, and also time. He's invested time in you. I don't know how much. I don't know what the average age is here. And none of us know how much more time you have. But you've been entrusted time, abilities, opportunities. And God is calling us tonight to be responsible disciples with those. We're we're called to be responsible. And... It was a very sobering situation when this one uh, wasted what he had been given. Turn with me one more place. Now turn in Luke. Something a little bit similar. I want to read these verses all together. Luke 16. Verse 10, 11, and 12. Luke 16. Verse 10, 11, and 12. I would would like all of you to read these out loud with me. Here we go. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will give... True riches. And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? 
Let's go ahead and read the next one together. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Responsibility. My response to God's ability. Tonight, what is your life? What is your life? And are you hearing God's call to responsibility in some area? Well, I want to remind you that we have been recipients of the grace of God. In fact, I think the fifth chapter of Romans, about three chapters before the one you've been memorizing, says something like this. It speaks about us having access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So tonight, that Scripture tells us that by faith, not by uh, some special worthiness on my part or some unusual ability that God gave me or some... uh, meritorious uh, list of accomplishments, but by faith in Jesus Christ, I have access. That means I have an opportunity to go through the door. That means I can be included. That means I'm not left out. That means there's, there's room for me because there's access. Access. It's tremendous. Have you ever, have you ever went up to, to a place and, and the doors were locked and there was no access and you couldn't get in and you were left out? but we have access by faith into this grace. When we stand, stand with me, please. Everyone stand tonight. I want you to think about where you are standing. And by faith, that means by choosing to believe God. And I want to remind you that's not an always an easy thing. As you stand there, just think a moment about this access by faith into this grace wherein you stand. I want to remind you what the Bible says about Abraham. He's called the father of the faithful, isn't he? He's the example of, of this faith, isn't he? In the book of Romans. But the Bible says that he had to take a look at his body that was dead. He was too old. He was an old man. And God said, you're going to have a son. The Bible says in the book of Romans, the fourth chapter, that he considered not his own body now dead, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, 90-year-old wife. And God says, you're going to have a son. And it goes on and says, he staggered not. He didn't trip. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that what He has promised, He is able to perform. Now, it's in that kind of light that I want to invite you not to consider your own body, your own limitations and inabilities and even past failures, nor yet uh, the deadness of of the life of opportunity that seems to be around you. 
Don't stagger, don't stumble, but stand and, and consider that you have access by faith. And that's not an easy thing. That's not a light thing. It's this faith wherein you stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Stand tonight in faith into this grace. You may be seated, but keep standing in that faith. I will remind you, I think it's very important to remind you that we're called to stand by faith in grace. And so we talk, when we talk about responsibility, it's with that understanding that we're standing in a place of grace. And what do we have that we haven't received? And if we've received it, then why do we boast as though we hadn't received it? I don't have anything to offer God. Anything I have is a gift of His grace, and I've received it. And, and, and yet, now that I've received it, He's given it to me, a pound, a talent. I want to invest it. I want to spend it. I want to use it for His glory and for His praise. For what is your life? It's a gift from God. It's a stewardship that's very precious, very important. Let's talk about some practical areas of that stewardship. Remembering what our Lord Jesus has just said in Luke 16 that we read together. That he that is faithful and that which is least. We're going to talk about some, some least and, and some bigger things here tonight. He that is faithful in that which is least shall be faithful also in much. I heard the comment a while back that if a man can invest $1 and handle $1 wisely, if you can give a man and he can handle a dollar wisely, then he can handle $100 wisely. If he can handle $100 wisely, he can handle $1,000 wisely. If he can handle $1,000 wisely, he can handle a million dollars wisely because the principles apply. The same principles apply. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Areas of responsibility. Just wanted to, to just encourage you to stand in this grace as you consider responsibility because sometimes callings look big to us and, and responsibilities look big, but remember, we're standing in the grace of God. Well, first of all, I want to say we're not responsible before I get into these five items that I've got listed here on the board. First of all, responsibility to God. Secondly, responsibility to parents. Third, responsibility to government and society. Fourth, responsibility to employment. And fifth, responsibility to God's ecclesia. I'm sure I won't have time to be very detailed in, in all of those in, in any sense of the word, but I want to remind you, first of all, that you are not responsible in the sense that our society is promoting today to somehow protect or take care of yourself. Now, I want to qualify that. We do have a responsibility to, uh, to a stewardship of this life that God has given us. But in a carnal sense, the world says things like this. It's all about me. The world will tell you, you owe it to yourself. You, you owe that to yourself. Uh, and sometimes people mean well when they say that. But we talk about uh, my fun. I mean, I, I, will, I deserve my fun, uh, my sleep. After all, I need my sleep, uh, my food, m my space even. Uh, in fact, that before Facebook and Instagram and some of those social network medias, MySpace was a, a very popular uh, 
uh, social media network, and it's still out there, but I've thought of already, it used to always strike me like this, I, I've never been on, I've never had an, a, a social media account of any kind, but, but it, I used to hear people talk about myspace.com, and I always thought what it's actually saying is myspace, don't come, <laughs> myspace, don't come, it's mine, this is myspace, and, and uh, today we talk about self, and, and, and we're, we live in a world of self-ease, and I s- shared with some of you a while back, I couldn't believe it, I actually saw an advertisement lately for a selfie stick, which is a stick with a little electronic button, and you can put your cell phone on the end of that thing, so you can hold it out here, or hold it here, and you can look real like you're not doing this, and you can take pictures of yourself. It's a selfie stick, and, and that's kind of this, the mentality of our society is, is it's all about me and it's self and selfie. But no, we're talking about something more noble than that tonight. We're talking about responsibility, a response to God's ability and life stewardship. Let's take a look quickly at this first area of responsibility to God. These are huge. And, and the, we could talk about so many other categories. I'll just be able to lift up a few things before you tonight that God has laid on my heart. Responsibility to God. And, and the psalmist in Psalm 116, many, many years ago, he asked that question. Uh, he looked at his life and, and he looked at his blessings and he said, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? It's a good question tonight, isn't it? Have you received any benefits from the Lord? I wonder if you'd, sometimes we sing a song, I'll count my many blessings. And I know some of you may be wrestling with discouragement or disillusionment or even uh, other issues in your life. And it can be a little hard to start listing blessings when we're in that frame of mind. But if you're honest, if you're honest, haven't you received many benefits from the Lord? Many benefits from the Lord. So he asked the question, Lord, what can I render for the benefits, all your benefits toward me? And and even way back then, the psalmist had the insight. He said, I will take the cup of salvation. Can you render that to the Lord? Can you take the cup? That sounds like more like receiving something than, than rendering something. But render unto the Lord the cup of salvation. That cup. Remember, Jesus took a look at a cup one time. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. It was full of the wretched, embarrassing, horrible pain and humiliation of my sin and and, and of, of the sins of all the world and the sins of 27 students that are here tonight and the sins of millions of people throughout humanity. That's what that cup contained. And Jesus said, Father, I don't know if I can drink it. Let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I tell you, he went forward and he drank that cup so that we didn't have to drink it. That cup of the wrath of the winepress of Almighty God. He drank that cup. Now we get to drink a different cup. It's a cup. This cup of the New Testament is the communion of the blood of Christ. That's the cup we get to drink of. So what shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? I'll take the cup of salvation. That's one thing. He goes on and says, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. That doesn't sound very hard, does it? Calling upon the name of the Lord. Don't we want to do that? Call upon the name of the Lord. He goes on and he says, I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people. 
the presence of all his people. Responsibility to our God, first of all, to take the cup of salvation, to call upon the name of the Lord, and to consider and pay the commitments we have made in his grace. Well, I want to mention a couple other things as we think about responsibility, first of all, to our God. One of those responsibilities means that I want to listen to Him. If, if I have a God and He's given me a life and, and what do I have that I have not received and what is my life but just this little short vapor and I want to channel that vapor as wisely as I can while I'm here and so I want to, first of all, listen to God. Listen to God. And... Don't you have a Bible? You've got a Bible? We've all got Bibles in a language we can understand. That's been mentioned already. What a blessing. That's an opportunity for you to listen to God. And I, I want to say, and, and I've been there. I'm not heaping any condemnation on anyone. I trust you'll have a, a fresh revival if anyone struggled with, with personal times of devotion. But it is the epitome of foolishness to try and go through this, to, to try and somehow channel this little vapor without some direction, without listening to our God. So we have Bibles, praise God. We've, we've got Bibles. Would you hold them up, please? Please hold up your Bible tonight. We have Bibles. We have the Word of God. Listen to God. Open these things up and read them day after day. First of all, listen to God. I talked to a brother a while back. God bless him. I love him dearly. In fact, I believe he'll be a mighty man of God. But he told me my faith has been struggling. I've been going backwards. I'm even doubting God and I'm doubting his promises. And as we talked about it, he had the, his own answer. He said, I haven't been reading. I haven't read my Bible for some days. I haven't hardly prayed. And it, it's so, and, and, and he had enough insight to know that himself. When I don't listen to God, I start to go backwards. I start to lose faith and so forth. Listen to God. Well, the second thing is, or the next thing is, talk to Him. And I know that's obvious. Talk to God. We want to listen to Him. We want to talk to Him. That's part of our responsibility to God. If I have a God I, I, and He's invested life in me, then I want to communicate with Him. And that's part of my stewardship, part of my responsibility to this God of mine, my God. So I want to talk to Him. Do you know how to pray? I'm just so blessed. There's a brother... That, that I appreciate deeply. It's a, a brother I've become involved with. He's, he's, uh, he lives back in, in, in a new church plant, and I talk to him from time to time. And, and there's an older brother as well, and I've got to know this older brother. He actually lives in another country. And, and this, I've heard this story from both of them, from both the older brother, his version, and, and the younger brother, his version. But this older brother, who's now a white-haired man, he was at a at a conference and there was a few young men there and, and this one young man came up to him afterwards and this one young man was a little bit disillusioned with church life and with the things that were going on, the, some of the same things that you have seen and experienced and that I did too. And this young man was just about to check out and, and, and move on into something different, something a little better, something with a little more life. He was longing for life, but he sensed something in the preaching of this old brother. And he came up to him after a young man just about ready to move on. And he said, will you teach me to pray? Will you teach me to pray? And I'm so blessed. That older brother, again, I've heard this version from both of them. That older brother 
uh, he very modestly said, well, I, I tried to meet with him. The younger brother said, he, he not only said yes, he set a time. And before long, we had three days set apart. And several of me and my friends were together with this old man in a tent. And we prayed and, and we, we sought God and, and we began to seek the face of God. And, and he talked to us and, and he heard our concerns and he invested vision in us. And that was the first Kingdom Fellowship weekend, and, and it's grown from there. Um, do you pray? Listen to him, talk to him, and love him. We know that our first responsibility, Jesus said, the first commandment of all is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. To love him and to obey him. I want to quickly move on but I just want to mention as we think about obeying him Jesus took a look at two men and he talked about those two men and I want to ask you tonight what was it in Matthew I believe it's Matthew 7 7th chapter of Matthew of course chapters and verses as has been mentioned already weren't added till hundreds of years later but at the end of that sermon that's recorded for us in the gospel of Matthew that we call the sermon on the mount Jesus told about two men, and each of them had a building project. They both were going to build a house. And there was something that determined the stability of their houses. One man's house, when the rains came and the winds blew, and they didn't gently flow and breeze and and ruffle the curtains of that house, it says they beat upon that house. That's the way life is. Some of you have experienced that beating already. But there was something that Jesus said determined which house fell and which house stood. What was it? Who knows? The foundation. What was that? What was it? But what did he say that was? That's right. The rock or the sand? It's sayings or not following sayings. That's right. He that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. He's like a man who built his house upon a rock. And the other man, he also heard Jesus' sayings. The only difference is that it stopped there. He didn't do anything about it. And his house built, was built upon a sand, the sand. So our responsibility to God is also to obey Him. Talk to Him. Listen to Him. Obey Him. Love Him. Give to Him. Give to Him money, resources, time. Remember, what is your life? Just a vapor. Is it yours? It's it's God's. It's, It's life. Stewardship. You belong to God. You're bought with a price. We read. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. We're talking about responsibility to God. And Jesus said, Seek ye first. Seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I want to remind you tonight that responsibility to God will at times appear to be irresponsibility to others looking on. Just mark that down. There will be times in your life where your choice of responsibility to God may look like irresponsibility in the eyes of the world. God's desire is toward you. Responsibility to God. I I just marvel at the clock. uh, It's going so quickly. 
I would like to speak to you about people in the Bible, responsible and irresponsible people in the Bible. But I think I'm going to move on right now to responsibility to parents. I want you to think about this very quickly. You already know this. I'm not going to hammer this very hard other than remember that the last few words of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi and then, and then history and, and, and Holy Writ went into 400 silent years in that intertestamental period. The last few words are, uh, God spoke through Malachi and he said, Behold, I'm going to send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he's going to do something. What is he going to do? The prophet said, God said, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers toward their children. But that's not all. He's also, and I believe it should start there, by the way. I'll acknowledge that. I'll acknowledge that it should start with the hearts of the fathers being turned toward the children. But also, it has to do with the hearts of the children being turned toward their fathers. The hearts of the children turned toward their fathers. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And I tell you tonight, there is a curse in America of the the lack of responsibility in this area. And I realize, I believe the greatest responsibility lies with parents in that curse. But tonight I can't be honest with the Word of God and not also lay some responsibility on you. And I want to speak about that just briefly. You know along with me that the Bible says children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of you had to, or were asked to memorize that at some point in your life as children? Good. The rest of you should work on it. That's an assignment before Saturday. <laughs> children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And my dad used to remind me, it doesn't say, for they are right. It says, for this is right. They're not always right. We're not always right. But this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. But it doesn't stop there. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. And it goes on. I'm, we're talking here about responsibility to parents for a few minutes. And I want you to think about this. That word honor I want to lift it up before you and have you ponder it for a moment. That word really means to ascribe value. To ascribe value. And there are some of you here I know that have some pain in your relationship with your parents. I know that. But I still want you to pause. And, and even out of some of your mouths, I have heard this in spite of the pain. There is still value that I have received from my parents. Value. That is honor is to ascribe that value. They are valuable in the sight of God. Honor. You can ascribe them that honor, that value in your life. Well, that's the first commandment with promise, it says, and that's interesting to consider that it may be well with you that thou mayest live long upon the earth. Thinking about responsibility to parents. And, and uh, again, this is so brief and, and maybe even just a little bit scattered, but 
I want to remind you that part of that responsibility is communication. Communicate. Uh, And I just want to say this. Regardless of where you're at with your parents, could you, would you be willing to, if, if your face is turned just a little bit away for some reason or another, would you have the grace and love and forgiveness and just because God says so, to turn your face back toward your father and mother's face and take a step, at least take a step toward them. Could you do that tonight? Could you ask God even to show you how? Lord, show me how to take a step. Maybe the best I can do is to write a card or a letter. Maybe I can get on the telephone. Maybe. Maybe I can go have a conversation. And for many of you, you can, you can do much more than that. You can run right into their arms and receive that blessing. But God bless you. Honor your father and mother. Communicate. And uh, I just appreciate, I think it was Sister Sarah Overhaul um, a few years ago, wrote a hymn about that after 9-11. She, she wrote about, uh, it's not Sister Sarah Overhaul now. I forget her last name now. Um, but she wrote about how you've got another chance to tell him that you love him. You've got another chance, talking about your father, to tell him that you care. And the point was that after 911, there were many fathers dead, many children that didn't have that chance again. There are some of you who don't have a chance to tell your mother or your father again that, that you love them or that how much you care about them. But tonight, you have a father and a mother that's alive you've got another chance you've got another chance to tell them that you love them you've got another chance to tell them that you care consider that communication you know many of you have good and godly parents and i think most of you do here tonight and i want to encourage you also to to consider the appreciation that you can offer as you consider responsibility to your parents, not only being obedience and communication, but also appreciation. You know, in Proverbs 31, it talks about this virtuous woman, and it gives a profile of what a wonderful woman it, she is, but, but it doesn't stop there. And I think sometimes we've, we miss the lesson to the husbands and also to the children. It says, her children shall rise up and call her blessed. Say it with me. Her children shall rise up and call her blessed. Yea, and her husband also, and he praiseth her. What a blessing. What an opportunity you have to call your mother blessed. Oh, mother, thank you. Thank you. You went through travail and difficulty and pain to bring me into the world. And yes, maybe there's been some pain along the way, but, but I'm here. Somehow I ate meals. Somehow I slept in a bed. Someone looked after me and cared for me in some way. Her children shall rise up. And with many of us, it's so much more than that. Hours and untold investment of time and emotion and prayer. And, and it doesn't stop. I'm very confident my mother's praying for me this week still, years and years later. 
I remember as a teenage boy waking up and finding her out in the living room in the dark on her knees. I'm sure she was praying for me, but that hasn't stopped. Call her blessed appreciation. And I want to also say, appeal. If there is a difficult situation, and I know there are some, that's why I've mentioned that several times. The Bible has this to say, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. I know it may be talking about an elder in the church in that sense, but I think it's also talking uh, about someone that's older than you, and I think it's absolutely biblical and applicable to your parents. If there is a difficult situation, I think we, we have a calling, we have a responsibility. It, it, rather than rebel, appeal. There's a place for appeal and to entreat entreat and we find examples of that in scripture i wish i could take time and go to some of those but i i i won't do that uh, but but i encourage you if that if there's a breach there if you just if you'd long to do that but there's a breach for some reason i know those situations happen i know those situations happen i want to encourage you to just pray god at least help me to have a heart full of forgiveness that unjust thing, that, that very painful thing, that rejection, that abuse, that humiliation, that incredible shame that I don't even know how to deal with. Lord, help me to have a heart of forgiveness toward my father and my mother. And give me grace to love them. To love them. And then show me ways to honor them. To see value in them. And to somehow express that to them. So do what you can. Love, forgive, and by all means, pray. Well, responsibility to parents. You know, there was, a, there was a son one time that the Bible says was not very responsible. He came to his dad and he said, Father, I'd like my substance. I'd like my portion of the inheritance. Uh, it's time. And I don't know all the dynamics of that culture and that situation, but... But the father, I think, probably with tears going down his cheeks, gave it to that son. That young man took off and he went and wasted his substance in riotous living and went to another country. That was highly irresponsible with his life. Highly irresponsible with his inheritance. He wasted it. He squandered it. Don't do that. God has given you an inheritance. Don't waste it. Don't squander it. Be responsible with it, but this young man wasn't. Ultimate, we would say, if we looked on that situation, the ultimate in utter irresponsibility. But you know what? There came a day when that young man came to himself. He came to himself. And an irresponsible boy made a godly, responsible choice. And God had spoken to him, and that's our God. He's a redeeming God. He's a restoring God. He, he's a helping God. And if you've lived a life of reckless and foolish and stupid irresponsibility lately, or in the last year, in the last five years, I want to encourage you that a young man in a pig pen eating husks or wishing he even could eat husks, he made a very responsible choice. I will arrive and go to my father. And he went back. And he didn't come with a demanding, uh, 
you owe me a lot of attention here and a lot of care. I've got a lot of pain. I want to be protected. No, he didn't come. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm not even worthy to be called your son, but look, Father, I'd be honored if you'd just make me one of your hired servants. It'll be my pleasure to be able to serve you the rest of my life. I'm putting that somewhat in my own words, but you know the story. That was an irresponsible boy who made a godly, responsible choice regarding his father, and he returned home. He arose and went to his father. And God, you know what, what, what Jesus said that man did. He said, bring out the robe. Well, let's have a feast. And God bless that boy who made a responsible choice. Oh, I'd love to speak of others in the Bible. I'd like to think about the responsibility of Ruth and so forth. But let's go on. I want to consider, thirdly, quickly, responsibility to government and society. Uh, one last comment before I leave responsibility to parents. I just want to highlight one comment in, I believe it's in First Timothy, I want to say chapter 5, where we read about widows. And I just want to mention this yet because I think society is fast losing this concept of caring for parents when they're older. I don't always know how that should look, and I know situations vary. But Paul told Timothy, he said, if any widow have children or nephews, it even extends beyond, uh, maybe you have an old aunt that doesn't have someone who's able to care for her. If any widow have children or nephews, let them first learn to requite their parents. For this is good and acceptable with God. Let them learn first to requite their parents. Talking about responsibility to parents. And Paul says, learn to requite your parents. And what he means there is, and he says, let not the church be charged. Because they had a fund to take care of widows, to to, uh, look after the widows uh, in that time and in that setting. Those who were destitute, those who were widows indeed. But if a widow had children or nephews, then those children... And nephews needed to learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents. That's part of responsibility to parents. They cared for you. Now is an opportunity to assist in them. Let's consider now this third area of responsibility to government and society. Uh, I'm choosing to believe by faith what that clock now says up there. Um, Responsibility to government and society. Obey them, 1 Peter 2 and 12 says. Obey them that... Well, it goes on, it says it this way. It speaks about your lifestyle. And King James says it this way, your conversation. Usually in King James, I'm sure you know that, when you read the word conversation, it's not talking about a dialogue. It's talking about your manner of living, your lifestyle. And he talks about in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says to have your conversation or your life honest among the Gentiles or among the nations, among the people around you, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may be ashamed which falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. They look on and they realize there's really nothing. These people live uprightly. They, they live so honestly. They live with integrity toward government and society. Obey them. Have the rule over you. I'm quoting uh, a different passage than I have in mind. In Hebrews, it's talking about Uh, leaders in the body of Christ. But also, well, let's just consider Romans 13. That's one example. There are quite a number of them. Uh, Render therefore, Paul says, to all their dues. He's talking about society. And and it's interesting to look at Romans 13 and not get confused there. 
I want you to just remember this. Just remember this when you read Romans 13 so you don't get confused what our responsibility is, our kingdom uh, place, where we fit in this whole thing. Notice that it's they and them and ye. So render therefore to all their dues. That's the, the rulers, that's the kings, that's the governors, the mayors, uh, the, the local uh, tax boards, it's whatever, those them that's them. That's not us. We're called in another kingdom, but render to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute, honor to whom honor, fear to whom fear. Um, we're, we're called to obey those that are in government. And I believe part of that responsibility includes contributing to the good when you can. As much as you can, contribute to the good. I, I uh, have an appreciation for a Hispanic brother, Brother Baldo. Melanie and I visited in their home a number of times, especially when they lived out in, in a remote uh, uh, village down in Mexico. And there the civil government is very tied up with the uh, ecclesiastical hierarchy of the, the Catholic Church. It's a very difficult situation. And as Baldo became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and the town officials would come around to him to collect tax. Only the problem was it wasn't a tax to take care of of uh, the roads and things. It was a tax to pay money for the virgin, for Mary. Uh, we, want, we want to collect our aunt for the annual Mary festival. And Baldo didn't feel like he could do that in clear conscience. He, he no longer prays to Mary. He prays through Jesus Christ to God the Father. And other brothers may face the same reality in coming days. But it got a little difficult. and He's been threatened to be put in jail for it. But one thing Baldo did try to do. He'd get out and work hard on the roads, some ruts in the road. Go try and fill that rut in. There's a work day for the town. We're talking a town of 150 people. Melanie and I spent about five nights there, some days a few years ago. And uh, he, he did what he could to contribute. And I think that's part of our responsibility to government and society. Even though we recognize there's a calling out of God's people as pilgrims and strangers. We're not at home here. It's a different kingdom. We're not participating in government affairs. And yet, we're using, we're using the roads too. We're, we're uh, enjoying many of the benefits. Can we do what we can to contribute to the common good? I'd, I'd like to just sow that thought in your mind. And I think I, I would, could do better for that in that area. Another responsibility to government, Timothy tells us, uh, I want to see if you can finish this quote from, I believe it's First, first Timothy chapter 2. He's talking about kings and rulers and all that are in authority. He said, first of all, prayers. That's right. Let's say it again. First of all, prayers. And it goes on. Supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we might lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. And it goes on. So prayer is part of our responsibility to government and society. I think also, and uh, I think here we, and, and we're getting that time of year that we think a little bit about taxes. And you remember how some men came to Jesus one time and they said, Master, you teach the way of God and truth. And, and we know that. So they were wanting to kind of trip him up. They said, is it lawful to render tribute to Caesar or not? Should we pay taxes to the Roman government or shouldn't we? And Jesus said, show me a penny. Show me the tribute money. And, and I just have a quarter here that Melanie gave me a while ago. It's not, a, it's not a, uh, the tribute money they would have had back then. But, but it does have 
somebody's face on it. Dinah, whose face is that? George Washington, you're right. George Washington is, is on this quarter. And you'll recall what Jesus said. He said, uh, render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's. Can we say, let's render to the United States the things which belong to the United States government? Who was George Washington? Who knows? The President of the United States. He, he represents the U.S. government, doesn't he? He represents that power. And his image is right here. Now, the Bible says you have an image. You're made in whose image? Whose image are you made in? You're made in the image of God. And I just so appreciate that thought that Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but render unto God the things that are, be, that are God's. And uh, Vitali and, and Christopher and Jeremy and John and, and all down the line, you, you have God's image stamped on you. You're made in the image of God. Now, you aren't to be rendered to the U.S. government. You're to be rendered to God. But you are responsible to do what you can to pay taxes and render uh, that common good. Responsibility to government. Let's go on. Let's consider quickly responsibility to our employment. And the Bible's clear upon in that. Turn quickly to Colossians chapter 4. We're thinking just about practical areas of life stewardship and, and of responsibility. And the one, yeah, I'll hurry on here. Let's look quickly at Colossians 4. <clears throat> Several places we could go here. But notice that, uh, well, Colossians 3 really is what I intended. Verse 22 of 3. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. We're talking about now responsibility to employment. And some of you are servants and some of you are probably masters. It goes on in, Col- in uh, Colossians 4 and says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master which is in heaven, and so forth. So we are called to responsibility in this area of our employment. Other s- scriptures speak about uh, not answering again and, and showing all fear, all respect to our masters. I'm thinking practically about your employment. I don't know where all of you work. Maybe some of you, it would be interesting if we had a little more time, if that clock uh, wasn't doing or if it got turned back again about a half hour, which I wouldn't want it to, to happen. Uh, we, would, uh, we, we could go around and have each of you say a little bit of something about what you're employed with. And maybe you're uh, helping out in, in, in your home, some of you. God bless you for that. or what you're, but, but these scriptures become very real and practical when we think about being responsible disciples and the stewardship of a life. When I'm a steward, remember, it's something that I am entrusted with that does not belong to me. But I'm responsible to make some decisions, to to operate in some management of that thing. Responsibility of our employment. And we will give an account. We will give an account. I want to just offer a couple thoughts in that. There's a scripture that warns servants about not purloining. We're thinking about responsibility, purloining. 
And I want you to think just for a moment, I don't know that I have a dictionary or even a Strong's definition of that right off the top of my head, but if the best of my memory, purloining is petty uh, theft. It's taking in little ways. It might be a handful of paper clips that I need tonight, and so I'll just grab a few out of the company drawer. And uh, maybe there's an arrangement you have where you will pay for that and, and make that up. I, I, you know, I don't want to lay artificial guilt, but the point is purloining is I know I'm being a little bit of a taker, but it's just kind of no big deal. I mean, I needed a new pen and they had a box of pens up in the, the file cabinet, box of nice paper mate pens, and I know it won't, they won't matter. I'll probably use it sometimes on the job. I'll just take a pen. Um, are you sure that that was yours? Would you have done that had your boss been right there watching? That's purloining, responsibility to employment. Remember, remember what Jesus said? He that is faithful in that which is another man's. Another man's. And if you are not faithful in that which is another man's, who will commit to your trust true riches? We want to talk about big areas of responsibility, of of ministry and of serving God and of being a blessing. But remember, Stewardship and little life choices has a lot to do with the bigger life choices down the road. Responsibility to employment. I think about Joseph. The Bible says of him that that his master knew not what was in his house. Everything was under Joseph's hand. Uh, Joseph was a very responsible employer. And I think about our responsibility to society. I think about to our neighbors. I think about business services. I think about us as Christians in society. What about even at the restaurant when, when we go eat, brothers? Uh, and, and maybe you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm responsible. I've got to take care of my money here. But what about when it comes time to tip? And what's, what's known in, in, in our society as an acceptable tip? And I think it's a shame, personally, if God's people that are very visible as pilgrims and strangers go eat and enjoy a nice restaurant and then, and then leave a very measly or no tip at all. Uh, I want to encourage you, you tip well. You're the people of God. That's an investment of God's resources. It's re- part of responsibility to society. What about... Uh, just launching into the accelerator and, and making the mufflers crack a little bit early in the morning when the neighbors are still asleep and you know that they might not appre- Is that showing responsibility to society? Maybe even to have those cracking mufflers. I don't know. I won't decide on that. But we had neighbors one time uh, in, in our workplace and we had little backup beepers on our trucks. <laughs> when you back up in the morning. They're quite loud, those beepers. And we had a neighbor lady who said, when you leave early in the morning, I, I hear that and it bothers me. And, and well, we felt like we needed them. I mean, we were kind of in a rock and a hard spot. In fact, they were required by some of our contracts, but we, we thought about it. And I think um, some, someone had the idea and, and just took some silicone and, and, and silicone those speakers closed and and you could still hear a little bit of a beep we felt like we were fulfilling the law but we never had any more complaints with the lady responsibility to society i want to go to this last area i'm sorry responsibility to employment 
We've talked about responsibility to God, responsibility to parents, responsibility to government and society, just a little bit about responsibility to our employment. And now let's consider this last area of responsibility to God's ecclesia. Uh, I want to remind you that ecclesia is a word that is often in our King James Bible translated church. Uh, Sometimes it's translated assembly. But that word, I like to give you that picture of this word. I don't know what you think of when you think of the word church. I don't know what that communicates to you. Maybe you picture a particular white building along the side of the road. I don't know what you picture. But I want to tell you that that word literally means the called out. The called out, but it doesn't stop there. It's the called out and assembled. The called out and assembled. Or I like to say the called out and called together. The called out and called together. That's the church. We're called out of darkness into the marvelous light of the gospel. But we aren't just called out here and there and there as little islands. We're called out and called together. We're called out and assembled. That's what the church is. So let's talk here just a little bit about responsibility to God's ecclesia. And I realize... Even here in this, I just did some quick thinking here. Uh, I, I think we probably have probably eight or nine different church backgrounds represented right here. And even currently, maybe five or six different uh, particular church fellowships even represented right here. And praise God, I, I, I'm not, uh, I, I just want to call you this uh, to your mind. That the church the called out assembled people, this bride of Christ, which he has purchased with his own blood, this thing, this beautiful bride that is very precious to our Lord Jesus. We recognize that it's global, it's worldwide. The book of Ephesians just so beautifully unfolds that, how the metal wall of partition is broken down and and all those ethnic barriers. And now we have a glorious international unity in the body of Christ, the church, these people that are called out and called together. But did you hear our brother tell us earlier today that on some level that becomes a local body of believers? And, And I could... I would love to spend more time talking about that, but I want to talk about responsibility to that. I want to remind you that it is that. um, And and I've been noticing some little hints about that. If you struggle with that concept of, well, is it really necessary to really be committed to a particular church or a local body of believers? I want to assure you that it is, and I'm willing to prove it by Scripture, and I don't have time to do that all right now, but you can come and talk to me. And I realize that what that commitment looks like. In one case, it may uh, involve a a signature on a piece of paper. In another area, it may just be an understood commitment. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying it will be known. There will be a family of believers where some of this is is worked out. You know, I think it's interesting. Last chapter of Romans, here's a sister. It mentions Phoebe. And it says, Phoebe, a servant of the church that is at Centuria. Now, Paul commends Phoebe. He blesses Phoebe. But he says, oh, she's a servant of the church at Centuria. Why didn't he say she's just a a servant of of God's church? No, he pointed out she's a servant of the church at Centuria. And and you find that again and again. He speaks about Epaphras in the book of Philippians. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Philippi and 
And then he remembers this brother that came from their congregation. He says, Epaphras, which is one of you, sends greetings. Well, of course he did. That was where Epaphras was from. Those are my home brother. It'd be like me living somewhere else. And, oh, you're going to Ellensburg? Please send greetings. That's what Paul says. Epaphras, which is one of you, sends greetings. And so does Marcus, my son, I think he says there. So oh, we could go to so many areas to, to point out those little kinds of things that exist. But anyhow, we have God's ecclesia. And we have scriptures that speak of the one another. It's a good study. I recommend you do it. But, but there are some things that just call us to this responsibility of a body of believers. And I think it's very critical as responsible disciples that we reckon with this thing of our responsibility to a family of believers. And uh, it's something maybe some of you have wrestled with. I wonder in our generation, as we've been hearing, if any of us have it. I'll assure you I have. Let me make that very clear. I've wrestled through this. I've tried to blank out my mind and said, Lord, what did you have in mind with this thing of church? It seems like there have been times in life it was perplexing and, and complicated and I didn't totally understand it. And the best I could, I'd try and blank out my mind. I'm going to read the book of Acts again and, and read what, what, what Jesus said about his church and, and read what the epistles said about the church. And, and well, anyhow, I thank God. The church is a blessing. And I can say with absolute sincerity tonight that I rejoice. I am very blessed and very thankful to be a part of a local body of believers. Uh, and, and it's a great joy to me. It's I need that. I appreciate that. But there are scriptures like the one another's. Love one another. How are you going to do that unless I know who one another is? And submit yourselves to one another. Have you... How am I going to submit to you if I don't know who you is? Just some, uh, just say, yeah, I just have this heart of submission to the body of Christ. And somehow, brother over there in Africa, I just want you to know that I have a heart that I, I want to submit. And, and that doesn't mean a thing. And you know it. <laughs> it, mean, it has to mean something. And I want to suggest to you that if there's no one that you're being called in some area of life that, that you're submitting one to another... You're probably not in the will of God. And you probably ought to take a, a close look at that. Uh, ha having fellowship one with another. Uh, use hospitality to one another. Wash one another's feet. Uh, exhort one another. Not well, once a year when you make your annual mission trip. Exhort one another daily. That takes a local body of believers with some connection. Exhort one another daily. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. That takes some connection. Greet one another and so forth. Well, responsibility to God's ecclesia. And, and you can look at phrases like come together. Paul says, when you come together with my spirit. And he talks about how to deal with sin when you come together. And he said, I've heard about this situation. Now when you come together, that means you're going to have to get together and talk about it and deal with it. It's part of our responsibility to God's ecclesia and counsel together. And there are scriptures that says, uh, uh, I, I want you to lay up together so that there's no special gatherings later when I come. Lay up money together. These are things that we do together. Uh, send people together and so forth. Well, responsibility to God's ecclesia. Um, you know, let's just think about even some real practical areas. I want to encourage you. The ecclesia is not the Sunday morning church service. It, it's the body of Christ and all the interactions of that. However, I do want to say this about responsibility to 
to God's ecclesia in this way, in just a very practical way, that there is are those times that we meet together for worship and for blessing and for prayer. And what about being on time? Uh, what about being on time with that? Isn't that something rather important? Uh, a good time for me to comment on that because I just saw the five-minute sign. Uh, what about being on time? And you think about this. If you're five minutes late, uh, 52 Sundays out of the year, someone could do the math and figure out how many hours of preaching and singing and fellowship and worship you'd miss out on. Now you put that over a, in, in a habit and you make that 10 years and 20 years and you've been five minutes late your whole life and do you realize how much worship and fellowship and it might have made the difference in your life? Responsibility to God's ecclesia. I need this reminder. Little simple responsibilities. Did I remember my Bible when I came to Bible school? Do I have a notebook? Do I have a pen? I want to be responsible. And you're talking to a brother that if it wasn't for a wife that would help me in many areas, uh, I'm the one that needs this. I, I tend to be scattered and irresponsible, but I'm trying. I'm still trying, and I want to encourage you to be responsible in every area of life, including even little details of God's ecclesia. Now, I want to speak quickly as we conclude about this thought of discipleship. I want to just exhort you to pursue it. Go after it. Uh, let's just, oh, just real quick, I want to ask this. Let's see. Let's see. Who, who, who should I ask? John, I'm going to ask you. How much money did you spend to get here? Real quick, just give me round figures. Did, do the math. $750. You spent a little more than most because it was a last-minute ticket. I acknowledge that. Now, there's probably going to be some other. You probably had fuel going to and from. You got a week off work. Uh, the, the tuition of this is what? $255. That was included in that. Okay. So we're at $750, maybe $800 to some fuel. You start talking time off work. It's a lot more than that. Here's what I want to tell you. There's a book, a verse in the book of Proverbs that says this. Wherefore is there price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he hath no heart to it? Now, you have spent money with a desire, I trust, for wisdom. You've spent some money. You've got the price in your hand, and I'm not calling any of you fools. I don't believe you are. But do you have a heart to it? Are you half? <sighs> okay, yeah, I'll sit up. And I, I, I admit I had some pretty short nights this week. And there were a couple of times uh, in the morning I, I yawned a little bit but I, I was still trying to stay in tune if it need be I'll get up I'll walk around I'll do something why go to all that effort if you don't have a heart to it responsibility to God's ecclesy I believe you do have a heart to it I want to encourage you we want God's blessing do what you can to immerse yourself in the body of Christ you may have some visions you know Daniel says, the book of Daniel, that, that in the latter days, there's going to be some of God's people that, that do exploits for the kingdom. I thank God for that. I think we're living in a generation of young men and young women of the heart to do exploits for the kingdom. I rejoice in that. I'm excited about that, but I want to encourage you to do it responsibly. I want to tell you about Brother Merle and our congregation, Brother Merle Flory and other brothers since then, but he's one who's already gone, so I'm going to give this example that... When he sensed a calling, he received an actual invitation. He received those appealing to him to come and, and spend some years of time teaching pastors and, and leaders in Asia about the gospel of Christ and, and, and about uh, 
values and, and teachings of the Word of God that many of us have grown up with. He felt that burning. And I, I wrestled with that when he first told me about that. But here's the point I'm making. Merle's an elder. Merle had, he could probably have got away with doing what he wanted and probably no one would have said too much about it. Uh, Merle's, Merle's got experience. Merle's not a novice. But, but he brought it to these brothers. And he said, I sense that this may be a calling of God, but I'm not totally sure. I trust my own judgment in this. And I also feel a responsibility to you as the local body of believers, and I would like to lay it before you. And I know Merle pretty well. And I know good and well that had the voice that night been no, somebody would have got a call yet that night or early the next morning saying we're not coming. Now, as you look at your visions, as you look at your life, I want to suggest to you that the blessing of God will rest upon a responsibility to God's ecclesia. I wish I had time to talk a little more about, yeah, but there are difficult circumstances. I acknowledge that. There are ways to to work through that. I I, I do want to offer this hope. If you feel like you're in a difficult situation and it's hard to appeal and and there is an understanding, I first of all want to ask you, have you really tried? That's the first thing. Have you appealed? Are you seeking God? But remember what Jeremiah says. If you find yourself in a difficult circumstance like, like happened back early in the book of Jeremiah, God said to those people who were longing for something better in their day in the midst of an ungodly society, God said, turn unto me and I'll take you one of a city and two of a family and I'll give you pastors according to my heart. You think about it. You turn your heart to God. You pray. Begin to seek Him. And God says, I in my time, I'm going to give you pastors according to my heart. And I'm going to lead you. And I'm going to give you some direction through this thing. Well, responsibility to God's ecclesia. God's blessing and proving ground, I believe, is in the local body of believers. And I can assure you, I have been and probably will yet be tested in this area. Uh, I would love to talk about knowing them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. That's part of that responsibility to God's ecclesia is getting to know, investing in, in your ministry, in those that are called in leadership. Get acquainted with them. Do you know them? Be careful who your teachers are. If you, if you don't know them, you might be in a vulnerable position. Get to know them. And for those of you who are struggling through this thing, I, I understand that. I know there are several of you who, who maybe aren't sure really where I fit right now. God bless you. God can lead you in that. I encourage you to make it your goal in prayer. God, I want to be a committed, responsible disciple in your ecclesia. Will you show me how to get there? And may God bless you in that. Well, tonight we've talked about this area of responsibility. Being responsible disciples. Life's stewardship. What is your life? Just a vapor. Appears for a little time and then vanishes away. But now is your day. Now you have an opportunity. Stand in this grace and stand responsibly. May God bless you.